0: Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. This is your host Edward Russell, and I'm joined by the Wall Street Journal's new travel columnist, Don Gilbertson. We talk about Don's approach to covering the travel industry at the Journal, and then an epic eleven-flight, six-airline trip she took over the July Fourth weekend to test the U.S. airline system. Thank you for listening, and enjoy. Hi, this is your host Edward Russell, and I'm joined by Don Gilbertson, who is the Wall Street Journal's new travel columnist. Don, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Ned. I'm very happy to be here.
0: It's a pleasure. Now you've covered the airline industry for years, and, and we've known each other for years. Uh, you were long at USA Today and the Arizona Republic, and you recently uh, joined the Journal's team uh, covering the broader travel industry, and, and it's you know really uh, wanted to to chat sort of about what's how how you view the industry and how you plan to cover it in your new role.
1: Well, you know, I mean, everybody knows, you know, Scott McCartney. Obviously, his middle seat column was, you know, so well respected, and you know, he covered so much ground over the years. So it's really an honor to, to be taking over that mantle. Um, I mean, the, the only change I see would be um, maybe covering a broader range of topics beyond airlines. I mean, he he touched on everything for sure. But uh, you know, I plan to cover, you know, more about hotels and, and other aspects of transportation. You know, I did something early on in this gig about before the COVID travel testing requirements were lifted about people getting stuck in Europe, you know, because they tested positive. So, yes. so just just a, a broad spectrum. Uh, but again, the the guiding principle is everything through, you know, a consumer lens. And you know, given the journal's readership, obviously also you know a business travelers lens falls under consumer.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's a uh, it's, it's a wide purview. You have airlines and the broader world of, of travel for sure. <laughs> and in these last few months, uh, since, I mean, if as our, our listeners probably have been reading some of your columns, if you're not lacking on topics, uh, issues that travelers face to, to cover. What, what are some of the most interesting things you've, you've uh, looked at uh, in, in your first few months there?
1: In the fall, it's been, it's been not even been two months yet. Uh, So, uh, you know, I mean, in the columns that I've done, you know, obviously, like everybody else has done, you know, focused on, you know, kind of a summer travel survival guide, you know, what to do and not to do this crazy summer of huge crowds and cancellations and so forth. Uh, I mentioned the COVID testing one, you know, I mean, my, my goal there was certainly to help people because, you know, I think in the US, especially, you know, we were, you know, we're used to no COVID travel restrictions and, and people were, for the first time in you know a few summers, we're getting ready to head to Europe in droves. And, you know, I didn't I don't know that a lot of people realize the risks of that, you know, and the expense. And, you know, I was just floored by uh, you know, talking to travelers who, you know, were stuck in, you know, in different European cities and racking up thousands of dollars of bills, you know, whether or not it was covered by travel insurance, but you don't get that travel insurance money right away. So that was, oh, why, you know, you know, and absolutely not.
0: Uh, you know, you speaking of that. You know, I've I've gone to Europe a couple times while there were the testing requirements, and you know, there's that moment when you're you're getting your test done whether it's it's at a hotel or or at the airport terminal before you check in, or you're just sort of you know biting your you know fingers crossed, biting your tongue. You might feel fine, but you're hoping you're not one of those asymptomatic cases and and having to go back. Uh, and then you mentioned the costs, which is is a huge thing because of course airlines have been very flexible, but then you know you've got the the hotel costs and food costs. I mean. I've heard of people, I mean, you, you've written out that stuck an extra two weeks in, in Europe they oh, can fly home.
1: I mean, I was really nervous. I mean, you know, we all also write from personal experience, right? And my son was heading to Europe uh, for a college graduation trip, you know, right around the 4th of July. And of course, it, it became a moot point because the restriction was lifted. But, you know, I, I generally don't uh, buy travel insurance uh, in most cases, unless it's a really pricey trip. But I was, you know, I was shopping furiously for a travel insurance policy for him because you know who's going to pay that bill if he's stuck in a hotel not him
0: wow no definitely not and like you said it racks it it can rack up really quickly i hopefully he his trip was smooth and and no issues
1: yeah he's uh he he he's had like he had a similar experience like you just mentioned to me that you had and i had on this crazy trip i took across the country i mean he went he spent a week in switzerland and he's currently in europe and i mean excuse me in um, italy and coming home in a couple days and it's it's been smooth so it is possible out there
0: (laughs) For sure, for sure. Um, well, Don, I, let's take a quick break, and, and we'll be back. And I want to talk about that that crazy July Fourth trip you took. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, I'm this is Edward Russell, your host, and I'm here joined by Don Gilbertson, who is the Wall Street Journal's travel columnist and uh, we're, we're going to talk don took a pretty epic trip over the july 4th holiday weekend while hopefully many listeners were enjoying their families or or traveling or uh, you know something don took let's see what is it um 11 flights on uh, six airlines over four days to test the u.s travel system what, what did you find don
1: Well, it went a heck of a lot more smoothly than I or my editors or anybody that covers this beat or anybody that's flown this summer could certainly anticipate, Uh, you know, I mean, the worst, I I, I pretty much flew almost every major air, I did fly every major airline and you know... um, If you add in my flights to and from Phoenix, where I live, you know, I also flew uh, JetBlue. So it just the the worst situation I ran into was at the start of the trip. And this won't surprise anybody. When I mentioned the airport, it was Newark. And I had a two and a half hour delay out of Newark on Friday, July 1st on United going to Fort Lauderdale. But that's really the worst thing that happened to me in this crazy span of flights over the busy holiday.
0: Oh, my gosh. That is remarkable because of the the horror stories that we've heard. And I mean, you you mentioned Newark and no, none of us are surprised about delays there. But we've also read a lot about uh, staffing issues at Jacksonville Center for flights going into Florida. So you kind of had the double whammy there of Newark's delays plus potential air traffic delays going into Florida there. And you know, thankfully, uh, you, you, the delay didn't actually happen. You got out or, or before two and a half hours, right?
1: Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it didn't. It didn't. You know, I mean, any place along this path, this, this itinerary that I built, you know, things could have just fallen apart. I would have had to cancel some of the future flights and scramble. But it, it never really came to that. The closest it came to that. Speaking of air traffic control was the next day so Saturday July 2nd I was flying from O'Hare to Orlando so I went back to Florida again because you know a it's a popular vacation spot and b there have been some issues there with air traffic control so I flew southwest to Orlando from Chicago early Saturday morning you know call it the Disney Express and (laughs) anyway that was the only place along this whole route where that came up Um, and they, they, at one point were sending us alerts that there was as much of an eight hour delay due to air traffic control issues. Inside. Wow, uh, wow, and
0: eight hours.
1: Eight hours, you know, and so that really would have thrown me off. But the amazing thing there is, and this, there's also a lesson in here for travelers, and I'm sure we've all been caught up in this one time or another was, you know, the gate agent was, was, you know, reminding people, hey, don't go far. She never announced an eight hour layover, uh, a, delay, by the way, the only, the longest delay that was announced at the gate was maybe four hours, which is still significant. You know, it's enough if you're pretty adventurous to say, Hey, I'm going to hop on that, you know, on the L and and go see something. But she was. she kept telling people don't, you know, don't just don't go back through security because this could change in any minute. And unbelievably, we only left 20 minutes late. It totally changed. Like they they're I mean making, that's fantastic yeah they're making loud you know loudspeaker announcements get back to your gate the woman sitting next to me on the plane she nearly missed a flight because she and her daughter they didn't leave the airport but they were you know enjoying a snack uh you know in the food court
0: right oh and and like you said we we have all done that i i myself have view myself as a fairly seasoned traveler, have walked away from a delayed flight that then left uh, more or less on time and left me behind. But that's a story for another day. <laughs>
1: yeah, that happened to me too here. I mean, I think it happens mostly, right, when when you it's in the town, like, you know, you're leaving from where you live. And that happened to me a few years ago. And I didn't even know that that at the time, I wasn't aware that things could change that quickly. And I, I nearly missed a Southwest flight back to the East Coast.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, no, definitely at home. I I you know, my local airport's Washington National and constantly I'm like, oh, if the flight's delayed, I could just roll in 30 minutes later than I normally, you know, and, and you start to get into that that area where you could actually miss it, but uh well, and it looked like this trip was really, I mean, i am you were out about getting into Austin, Texas at 1230 in the morning to leave for 4 a.m. to fly out. I mean, you, you seriously, you were um, you put the airline system to a test with burning the midnight oil and everything.
1: Well, y- yes. And, and you know, like I said, I, I, we wanted to hit all the streets points, right? The things that have right. made the headlines this summer and anybody, um, I hadn't flown into Austin before, but, you know, earlier this summer and spring, you know, Austin was having a heck of a trouble with long lines. People were abandoning rental cars, you know, because the long security lines. So I really wanted that on the itinerary. And I figured what better day than the 4th of July, uh, You right. know, even if it meant just a, a few hours of sleep. But again, that, that went off that went off smoothly. You know, I flew into, you know, you and I have both written, everybody's written about, um, you know, the, the regional airline issues because of the pilot shortage. So I purposely took two, two regional uh, affiliates uh, to go to Glacier. You know, okay. so I flew in and out of Kalispell and one on United Express and one on Alaska's horizon and no issues there.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, I feel like where they're where the where regional flights are still going, they generally have the pilots. It's it's the ones that are already canceled. But you know, like you you can't bet on you know betting on no issues is is, is a you know a, a gambler's game uh, sort of so they say. Um, did did any part of the experience like jump out? So I mean, I read in your piece you mentioned. I mean, for the most part, it was busy. There were busy airports and and long queues, but. Did anything jump out to any, you know, lessons from your couple days traveling around?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one thing that I think airlines definitely could do a better job at communication, you know, I mean, United gets a lot of credit, you know, like they put uh, on that delay. I was talking about going from Newark to um, Fort Lauderdale, you know, United is really the only one I've seen doing this and maybe you've seen others, but that's, that's the one I've seen, you know, we're on the, on the uh, monitor at the gate and on your app everywhere. It tells you specifically, why you're um, r- running late. in this case, it was an aircraft situation. right? Yeah. So I I think, I think that that reduces tension and I, it, whereas in some places I was or in, more often than not, there weren't any gate agents at the gate. Do you know what I'm saying? Again, I, I right. didn't have any problems, but you know you listen around to what other gates you know you're hearing at other gates and you know people are just craving information and, right. and so I think the airlines could do a better job. but I also think passengers, like, I'm often surprised, I don't care if you only fly twice a year, you know, people, everybody should have the airline's apps. I mean, it, it, it's such basic advice, but, I mean, that's where I heard about everything first. Absolutely Absol- everything first on this trip.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, the apps are fantastic. And and like you mentioned, you United does a really good job of giving extremely detailed reasons for for each delay. Uh, but it's, you know, the, the apps are, are fantastic. Yeah. So well, I and it tells you like support.
1: the you know, like the connection time, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I purposely also booked connecting flights in two cases out of busy airports on big airlines, a Delta uh, out of Atlanta and um, American through Dallas. And I I like on the apps, how they'll tell you, because, you know, if you have a tight connection and again, we're used to traveling, but for people that aren't, you know, you get nervous when it lands and everybody stands up and they're like, I got a tight connection, but I liked on some of the apps, you know, how they tell you how, how long it'll take you minutes wise, you know, to get to your next gate, you know, and sometimes that freak you out and sometimes it wouldn't. So I I thought, I thought that was, that was, you know, and that's just a good tip that I think, again, it's very basic, but I think. The apps are just the way to go.
0: (laughs) Definitely. So you mentioned, of course, United's uh, ability—you know—they're sort of over-communicating, especially on the app and at the gate. Um, Did anyone kind of any airline stand out to you as maybe as as needing to do the most to improve the communications? Of course, you said all of them could do better, but but did any stand out that that really needs to do the most?
1: No, I don't. I don't know that anybody. I mean, I did spend a lot of time in Seattle because I had a long layover on purpose in case anything happened with my flight from Glacier, so I went from. Kalispell to Seattle to Austin so it was a really long day and so I spent a long time you know at SeaTac and you know there were just nobody at the gates but again you know we've all talked about the staffing shortage and so forth and they're not going to staff someone at the gate just to answer my questions if my flight is in a few hours but like I didn't find out about the gate change which was a, a concourse change actually you know until I happened to look at my app you know, like right. nobody ever announced it there. So I felt bad kind of for people maybe that weren't paying attention. Like I, I just let other people in the gate area know, hey, um, you know, head on over to whatever concourse and whatever gate, um, because those people, you know, maybe weren't as, you know, they just, there were a bunch of people that just gotten off a cruise. And, you know, the last thing that they were paying attention to was Alaska's app. But again, that's not to single out Alaska. That just, it was one of my last flights. And, and that, you know, that stuck in my mind. I also think, and we've all written about this is, you know, the boarding and deplaning process on every airline for the most part can certainly be improved.
0: That is is absolutely for sure. You know, I, uh, we, we all know the, the crowding at the gates and everything that happens. I was just on a flight the other day to Denver and, and yeah, they, we were delayed and, you know, they had to repeatedly ask people to sit down so that you know, some 20 passengers that needed to make tight connections could, could get off the plane. And it's just, you know, happy that they could go, but it, it, it you know, having to repeatedly ask is it's, it's challenging. Cause you know, that hurts airline operations, people are worried. It's, it just makes the whole situation more
1: stressful. Oh, for sure. And, and the gate, you know, I don't know that anybody's ever going to solve the gate, you know, the gate, the gate problem, but you know, everybody, I, I have flown Southwest a lot, you know, over the years, just because I live in Phoenix and they're so dominant here with American and you know, Southwest gets blasted all the time for no assigned seating and so forth. But I got to tell you that, you know, when you look at it and, and you fly every single airline, you, you know, their gate problem is nowhere near what, what the problem is at some other airlines. Do you know what I'm saying I, d- I just don't know what it is that when a, you know they say they're starting boarding, even if your app is saying it's not your turn, sit down, everybody just feels like they're missing out on something and it just gets, it just gets cuckoo, you know especially if you're in the, one of the later boarding groups. I, I, I mean there's a lot of consumer psychology going on there for sure.
0: <laughs> oh no, for sure. Do one of the things you mentioned was sort of airport staffing, and you talked about gate agents. But what did you find on the concession side? I, you know, I asked because I, I was actually in Phoenix a few months ago, and I remember the this airport director there was was basically telling me that his biggest challenge was workforce, workforce, workforce. Uh, so what what did you find on the airport staffing side between concessions and and the ground? Staff? Long
1: lines, you know, which really have been the case since last summer, right? Uh, I mean, I yeah. don't think any of them have solved that problem. I mean, the only one that solved it is. Uh, just because of the mobile ordering, you know, maybe some of the Starbucks, right, you know, that, because not everybody knows the, that you can mobile order, right, so, right. so those lines don't appear, to, at least they don't bother me anymore, because I don't get in them, but like, you know, I was in Dallas, and you know, that you couldn't tell where the um, line for McDonald's ended, the line for Pop, Popeye's chicken began, you know, so there are a lot, still a, a lot of lines, you know, one cashier, It it did seem to me to be a little bit better in some of the places. Again, I fly to Phoenix a lot, you know, and I just remember, you know, early on when travel started coming back, you know, first of all, tons of places still closed, you know what I mean? And by and large, I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of places still closed, but one thing, and you've written about this and I recently did a column that touched on this, but you know, the airline clubs, I mean, the, the uh, Amex Centurion Lounge in Seattle on Sunday, July 3rd, closed at 3.30 p.m. due to staffing.
0: That's, I mean, that's that's just, I mean, ridiculous. It's it's a busy peak travel weekend at 3.30. I mean, that's before even the internet. I mean, I know International's down, but the International Bank hasn't left. I mean, it's, yeah, like there's so many reasons.
1: No, it was, that stunned me. I mean, I, I, I'm i used to the lines at the clubs uh, and I recently visited a bunch of Delta clubs for Column. But um, so you're used to the lines and people know like, they're, they're having different restrictions now, but the fact that they just simply couldn't staff the afternoon, uh, right. you know, on, on this day, and also they were like, kind of like TJ Maxx, you know, they, they they'd get on the loudspeaker and they'd say, okay, the lounge is going to be closing in 30 minutes, alcohol is going to be um, uh, stopped in 15 minutes, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yes. so even if you got an hour there, it was not a relaxing hour. So I think that's a big that's a big trouble spot I think is you know for people that pay for lounge access
0: right oh absolutely I mean you're you're and this is of course like you mentioned the the column on the Delta clubs having to, to cap uh, limit the amount of time people spend there is I mean really challenged because these are people that are generally high dollar you know either they're paying uh, through their credit card or they're they're buying memberships like the, you know you you don't want to, those aren't the kind of travelers that you want to be limiting um, so, you know yeah yeah. No. Well, I mean, it sounds like quite the experience you had and, and Don, I'm, I'm extremely happy that you, you made it through with no major delays or, or mishaps. It's uh, hopefully that's the way the summer continues.
1: Let's hope. I mean, you know, one big, you know, we can't talk about that trip without mentioning, you know, there was there were no widespread weather problems over the fourth. I mean, there were pockets for sure. Like there always are, but there were no major, major disruptions. So that obviously gets a lot of credit.
0: Absolutely. And that's sort of the, you know, the the reason that's mostly left out of the headlines right now is, you know, weather is still a significant issue in in most disruptions, you know, regarding around even staffing because the staffing issues are compounded when weather is disrupting flights and crews aren't coming in and everything. And so, yeah, that's I'm lucky you had no weather. I had weather on my own recent travels and those delayed me a few hours. Uh, But, uh, you know, again, that wasn't the airline's fault. (laughs) Thunderstorms stopped for no one.
1: Well, and it's so interesting, someone comment, you know, like, like, how, how low is the bar now where if we only have a few hour delay, we're happy, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, I'll still take the uneventful day with no delay, no turbulence, flight lands early. That That's still my, that's still where my bar stands.
1: Yes, that, that is the perfect scenario. Absolutely.
0: Well, Dawn, thank you so much for joining us on the airline Weekly lounge this week. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, We look forward to many more columns from you. And uh, yeah, thank you again.
1: And thanks so much for having me. I truly appreciate it.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.